I tell you, this is a wonderful assembly. I just, I just love New Hope Chapel. It's great to do hug time. It's great to see you get involved with hug time and let's see that uh, we are really enjoying and loving one another. First time, I want to welcome those of you online. Um, I should tell you that the title of my sermon this morning is Peace. But I was sharing with, with Andrea, it was just uh, during the hug time. This, wasn't not, this was not going to be my, my sermon. As a matter of fact, I had a couple of other sermons that, I was, that were in plan, and I was trying to put something together, and uh, for some reason, I just kept getting blocked. I just couldn't get my enthusiasm up. I just couldn't find enough whatever. And of course, we had been praying for, for Jory and some other needs in this body. And I, I like to follow the way New Hope Chapel prays and puts certain needs in our prayer chain, as we call it. And then we get reports that things are beginning to develop. It doesn't come as a surprise that God responds to prayers. And when you have the most painful, the most excruciating, the most challenging needs in this body, and we pray, he comes through. And it just lifts our faith, lifts our prayer life, just, and, li- and brings us together all the more. Well, I, I was telling Andrea, with her permission, this sermon this morning was birthed as a result of our prayers, specifically for Jory. And of course, we've had some emotional stuff within these past few months. Um, I was telling her that I even had some assistance from our church secretary, Carolyn, who actually stirred me to this particular text because I wanted to talk about... Oh, anyway, she leaned me toward anxiety. I said, I'm going to cover that. So we ended up this, this was a sermon that was birthed by a committee. And I, th- I thank the committee for that. Amen. So if you don't like it, I told Andrea, if they don't like it, she's to blame. If they like it, here I am. Anyway, my sermon is titled Peace, which is what we need incredible much. It's a simple sermon, but it has such an impact on our lives. Well, my text is the book of Philippians, chapter 4, verses 4 to 7. And of course, it's printed in the New, New King James Version, not in the NIV readers, whatever, whatever that was. It's printed in the New King James Version, and you're out in your handout together with the sermon outline for your easy reference. You know, I was thinking as I was reading and trying to extract everything I could out of Philippians 4, through seven, is that it's an extraordinary scripture. It's the kind of a scripture that every household should print and put it and display it in a prominent place in the home. Because if there's anything you can look at every single day, it's the fact that be anxious for nothing. And all of us go through a lot of tear-jerking situations in many instances. So walk with me, as I always do, through Psalm 1914. And so this morning, dear Lord, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Amen? Well, let's look at Philippians 4, 4 through 7. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice Let your gentleness be known to all men. 
the Lord is at hand. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and mind through Christ Jesus. Amen, indeed, and amen. You know, what do men and women want most in their homes? There was a survey which was done some time back to determine exactly what they cared about most and what they hoped that their spouses will understand. And if you look at the results of the survey, you'll find them to be surprising because they didn't want expensive furniture. They didn't want a well-equipped kitchen or a well-equipped garage or a great private study. What they wanted was tranquility at home. In other words, peace. You know, I was convinced, and I am convinced, that everyone is looking for peace. I was in court not too long ago with a young Jewish attorney by the name of Asi. And when I first met him, he seemed very, very Jewish. Now, the reason I was drawn to him was because he exhibited Jewish behavior, whatever that, I'm not trying to be politically incorrect. But it prompted this question from me. I wanted to ask him questions about his faith. And I said, what do you believe about the Messiah? And his response was, I believe the most important thing that could ever happen to Israel is for Messiah to come. And I said, why? Why do you believe that? And he said, because he will bring peace. You know, we want peace. We, we, we want peace in our lives. We want peace in our homes. We want peace in our hearts. We see in Galatians 5.22 that a fruit of the Spirit is peace. Now, there are actually three types of peace that are listed in the Bible. There is, first of all, eternal peace. This is peace with God. Romans 5.1 says, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And then there is external peace, peace with others. And Paul says in Romans 12, 18, if it is possible as much as depends on you, live at peace with all men. The third type is internal peace. This is the peace of God. Paul says in Colossians 3, 15, and let the peace of God rule in your hearts. Now I want you to understand what peace really is. Peace is an assurance of God's control which results from obedience to God's commands. You know, the Lord said to the nation of Israel in Isaiah 48, 18, Oh, that you had heeded my commandments, then your peace would have been like a river. Now, even if you are saved, you still need to have peace because even those that are upright still get uptight. And I can assure you that you can have peace, perfect, overflowing, unbelievable peace, even in the stormiest seas of sorrow and suffering, 
if you follow what I call Paul's prescription for peace that is found in the fourth chapter of Philippians. You know, there are certain steps that Paul has indicated to the Philippians that if they take and do these every day in their life, and if they do, verse 7 states, and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. And so first in your online, I want you to consider that peace is a matter of focus. Our text, verse 4, states, Rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. Now, the word for rejoice is often translated as praise. Now, you cannot rejoice or praise the Lord unless your focus is on the Lord. And when your focus is on the Lord, you will then rejoice in the Lord. And when you rejoice in the Lord, you will have peace in the Lord. Isaiah 26, 3 says, and this is Isaiah talking to God. He says, you will keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on you because his trust is in you. You remember when Jesus came walking on those stormy waves on his way to the boat where his disciples were. And Peter wanted to come to him. And so the Lord Jesus invited him to step out of the boat and into that water. And you remember that as long as Peter kept his eyes on Jesus, he walked on the water. But when he took his eyes off Jesus, he began to sink. He lost his focus you know, the great Christian Corey Boom once said, When I look at the world, I get distressed. When I look at myself, I get depressed. And when I look at Jesus, I am at rest. I want to let you in on a little secret about peace. Some of you know this already. And that is that peace is not the absence of problems. Peace is the presence of Jesus in the midst of your problems. Amen. You know, you don't always celebrate and enjoy your, your losses, but you can always rejoice in the Lord. Now, I want you to notice the reason to rejoice in the Lord. We are told in verse 4 that we are to rejoice in the Lord. Now, remember that the person who wrote this was not some sort of a preacher on a pulpit in a nice cathedral palace. This was a prophet in prison who was writing this and telling all of his brothers and sisters in Christ to rejoice in the Lord. Many of you already know this, that Paul wrote these words from a Roman dungeon chained to a Roman soldier facing a Roman guard in death. And yet his key the key for him was his focus. I want to tell you three things that you can always rejoice in no matter what's happening to you. Three things that you can rejoice in no matter what you're going through. And first of all, you can rejoice in the grace of God who has saved you. Second, you can rejoice in the goodness of God that secures you. And thirdly, you can rejoice in the glory of God that surrounds you. But I want you to also notice the season for rejoicing. Not only are we to rejoice in the Lord, but we are to rejoice in the Lord 
always. That means fall, winter, spring, summer. That means Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and all day Sunday. When it is wet, when it is dry, when it is hot, when it is cold, when things are good or when things are bad. Always rejoice in the Lord. I'm going to tell you something that may sound strange to some of you, but it's true. The reason why most people in life never find peace is because they're looking for it. You will never find peace looking for peace. You will only find peace when you are looking for Jesus. You know, John Wesley once said, when I looked at Jesus, the dove of peace flew into my heart. But when I looked at the dove of peace, it flew away. You see, he understood that peace is a matter of focus. Second in your outline, consider that peace is a matter of faith. Look at our text, verse 6, it states, Be anxious for nothing. Anxious for nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. Now just as focus deals with praise, so faith deals with prayer. And I want you to see, first of all, the attitude of this prayer. Be anxious for nothing. Now, you well know that peace and worry are mutually exclusive. Worry pulls tomorrow's clouds over today's sunshine. And this word worry comes from an old German word, which I tried to learn how to pronounce and I couldn't make it. But it literally means to struggle or to choke. Worry throttles our thinking. It chokes out the truth and it prevents you from having the fruit of peace. Now, I want you to really consider what worry is. I want you to really consider what worry does. Worry, first of all, is a distrust in the wisdom of God. You see, every time you worry, what you are saying is, God, I don't believe you can handle this. I don't believe you can be trusted in this matter. I guess I'm going to have to carry this burden by myself. Furthermore, worry is a denial of the word of God. When you worry, you will really say that God does not keep his promises, such as Romans 8.28, that he works all things good together for the good of those who love him. But worry is also a defiance of the will of God. You know, Jesus says in Matthew 6, do not, do not be anxious for tomorrow. If worry It's totally out of the will of God. You know, God is not the author of confusion. He is the author of peace. Now, I wish we could all take a cue from this story of a man that I heard about. He was a tremendous worrier. He was not only a worrier, he was worrisome. He worried other people about his worry. He couldn't sleep at night. He paced all night because that's all he could do. But one day he came out of the house And he was a totally different person. He was whistling. He was happy. He was singing at the top of his lungs. And a neighbor saw him and said, what in the world has happened to you? He says, oh, I don't have a worry in the world. I am so happy. The neighbor said, well, how did you get rid of your worries? And he said, well, I have hired a professional worrier. 
He does all my worrying for me. His neighbor said, well, that's just wonderful. How much does this warrior professional cost you? And the man says, he cost me $1,000 a day. The neighbor said, $1,000 a day? You don't make that kind of money. How are you going to pay him? And he said, oh, that's his worry. <laughs> now, I'm not going to tell you that God is your professional warrior because he doesn't worry. But he is the professional when it comes to handling our worries. First Peter 5, 7 says, Cast all, all of your care upon him, for he cares for you. In other words, he handles your worries. Listen, what do we need to do with all of our cares? We need to turn them into prayers, because if anything is worth praying about, it's because it was, worth, it was not worth worrying about. I think I said that backwards, so I'll say it again. If anything is worth worrying about, it is worth praying about. I'll have Dennis edit the tape, make me sound better. <laughs> you know, if a care is too small to be made into a prayer, it's too small to be counted as a burden. Now, I also want you to notice the latitude of this prayer. Our text, verse 6, states, But in everything... Everything, by prayer and supplication, let your request be made known to God. Now notice, we have to pray about everything. You know, prayer should encompass everything and leave out nothing. Can you grasp that? Everything. You know, some Christians pray about nothing. Some Christians pray about some things. But God is saying that every Christian ought to pray about everything. Heard a story about a woman in her early 30s, not married. Then she got saved. So she decided she was going to pray for a husband. Every night she would hang a pair of men's trousers on the bedroom door, go to her bed, kneel, and pray this prayer. Father in heaven, hear my prayer and grant it if you can. I've hung a pair of trousers here. Please fill them with a man. Nothing is ever too silly for God. One of the reasons why we're loaded down with burdens and cares and worries and have no peace is because we do not take everything, every worry to God in prayer. Listen again to the old hymn we sang earlier. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear, all because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. I also want you to notice the gratitude of this prayer. For Paul says that we are to pray with thanksgiving. The one ingredient that must never be lacking in this recipe of prayer is thanksgiving. 1 Thessalonians 5.18 reminds us, in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. The will of God. In other words, he commands it, and he expects it. Then third, you ought to consider that peace is a matter of fact. When your heart 
is filled with praise and your mind is filled with prayer, then your soul will be filled with peace. What happens when you rejoice in or praise the Lord? What happens when you take your concerns to God in prayer? Well, then Paul says in verse 7, Then the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your heart and minds through Christ Jesus. You know, I read something that fascinated me. You know, I shared this in a previous sermon. Oceanographers tell us that the worst ocean storm never goes more than 25 feet below the surface of the water. In other words, gales can rip over the Atlantic, over the Pacific. They can cause tidal waves to reach hundreds of feet into the air. But just 25 feet below the surface, the water is as calm as a pond on a windless, sunny day in June. Do you know that the only place you will ever really find peace in the midst of the storm is down deep in a walk with God and a relationship with Jesus Christ? You know, Korean Christians have a saying, and they came up with this saying back when they were really being persecuted in that country for their Christianity, their faith in Christ. I think they've gone more underground these days. But back then they said, we are just like nails. The harder you hit us, the deeper you drive us, and the deeper you drive us, the more peaceful it becomes. Also, I want you to notice carefully that this is the peace of God. The Lord Jesus said in John fourteen twenty seven, Peace, I leave you. My peace, my peace, I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give it to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Clearly the peace of God is peace from God. But you will never know and you'll never have peace from God until you have peace with God. And this, this peace is only found in the Lord Jesus Christ. So if you want the peace of God with you, you must have the God of peace within you. In the middle of a great battle, a general was mortally wounded and he lay dying in the battlefield surrounded by his aides. And he began to cry out, give it to me, give it to me. One of his aides said, general, we will give you anything you ask for. What is it? And the general pointed to a soldier that was dying underneath a tree not far from him. And the general said, I would give 10,000 worlds to have what that soldier told me last night that he had. His aides rushed over to that soldier and they discovered just a simple, low buck private. And he was peacefully dying underneath that tree. And they said to him, you told the general you had something last night. What is it? In his dying breath, he said, the peace that passes all understanding. Well, you can have that peace in Christ. But I want you to notice that God's peace is also God's protection. Because this peace, verse 7, guards our hearts and minds. 
That word guard refers to a garrison of soldiers that were charged with the responsibility for defending a city. In other words, the fruit of the Spirit, which is peace, is the peace that God gives that stands like a soldier at the foot of your door to your heart, and he guards it against the troubles of the world. Everybody, I repeat, is looking for peace. And most people are looking every place but the right place. You know, some are trying to find peace in pills. Others are trying to find peace in pleasure. Many are trying to find peace in possession. But peace is only found in one place. That's in a person. And his name is Jesus. Amen? You know, someone once said, God takes life's broken pieces and gives us an unbroken peace. Horatio Spafford found this to be true out of his own life's experiences. Spafford was born in 1828. He was a real estate baron and extremely wealthy. But he was a tremendous Christian, and he was a very close friend to Dwight L. Moody. Well, he lived in Chicago. And during the Chicago fire, he lost his business, and in that fire, his only son was killed. It seemed at the time like his life was covered by a canopy of dark clouds. Well, his wife, understandably so, was under tremendous stress. And so he sent her and their four daughters to England because that was her home country to at least rest and have a vacation. He told them he would join them in a couple of weeks. So he put his wife and his four daughters on a ship and sent them across the ocean. When they were in sight of land on the other side, a terrible storm hit and all four of Spafford's daughters drowned. Only his wife survived. She sent a telegram to him with only two words, saved, alone. So with the heaviest of hearts, Horatio Spafford got on a ship and he made his way across to England. Got his wife, got on board the same ship to come back. And on the way back, he asked the captain to show him the spot where this tragic ship had gone under and his daughters had drowned. And when the captain got to that spot and showed it to him, Spafford went out on deck and wrote these words. When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot thou hast taught me to say, it is well. It is well with my soul. Listen to another old hymn. Oh, the peace I find in Jesus. No power on earth can shake. Peace that makes the Lord so precious. Peace that none from me can take. Listen, there is only one way that Spafford could have written that song. And it is because he knew the Prince of Peace, the Lord Jesus Christ. So if you want peace, real peace, eternal peace, everlasting peace, so that you can keep your head about you while others are losing theirs, you've got to come to the Prince of Peace, the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm going to ask the praise team that they would come to give us a, a closing song.
Thank you. Please stand.
Amen. 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 Those last words, you know, whatever our lot, he's taught us to say that all is well with our soul. All is well with our soul. I want to be a praying church. Never cease to pray about everything. There is so much that we can be grateful for. There's so much that we need. And there's so much that the Lord wants to respond to us for. And he wants the credit. Well, if you don't pray, you can't get the credit. So pray for all of our needs. I want to remind you, now that service is over, is that the backpacks are still there for your picking. For those who need them, we may have told some of you late, but they do cost money. They're free. Some of them, in fact, most of them, except a couple, already have school supplies in them. I was told to say that there's not a lot of difference in the age groups. And so uh, I might get one for myself. No. In any event, they're there. Please get them. If you know people that in your community that could use them, uh, stop by during the week, not on Monday, but during the week, and Carolyn will be here to, to help you. So service is over, as I indicated. And may the peace of the Lord be always with you. Amen.